0: Hello, welcome to some Derp's talk about games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Total War Warhammer 2 with a special guest. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games. And, um, you know, if there is any game that we're going to go really hard for, uh, it's one that I have 800 hours in. Uh, but we are joined today by a very special guest, a good old friend of the cast my buddy x how you doing x welcome to the cast good it's been a while (laughs) it has last time we talked was the destiny update maybe last year yeah wow uh so obviously you know total world warhammer 2 looms large in my life it is my it is my gaming wife uh actually maybe wow is my gaming (laughs) wife i have a i am I'm, i'm i'm gaming polyamorous okay you guys uh, or poly- your mistress polygamous yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is my mistress that's true because I only like check in with her, but like for these flings once every couple of months, whereas like every night you know like i am going home to wow, right, <laughs> makes
2: sense,
0: yeah, even yeah. when you don't want to like i believe last week yeah. you were like you, you were like i i got I got back into wow, which kind of sucked, yeah right <laughs> like... <laughs> uh till death right <laughs> yeah so
1: okay so warhammer total war warhammer 2 came out in 2016 um it was the sequel to the also like very well regarded and acclaimed total war warhammer 1 which released earlier oh wait no i'm i'm sorry i'm getting my timing wrong warhammer 1 came out in 2016 warhammer 2 came out in 2018 2 years later right um But it did some powerful things that I think are honestly, like, really, truly cool and unique from kind of like a game dev perspective, right? All of the factions from Total War Warhammer 1, including DLC factions, carried over into Total War Warhammer 2 are playable in a shared DLC map known as the Mortal Empires. And for all intents and purposes, right, they... Kind of sold what, you know, like, in a certain sense, this would be, like, an expansion pack, right? Um, in, like, WoW terms, right? Like, this would be an expansion pack. Because they, they added new races, they changed a lot of things, a lot of core functionality of certain things, like agents in the game or whatever, um, from Warhammer 1 into warhammer 2 as the game evolved and the the way that people played it evolved and sort of like the meta on how you you know you made certain kinds of decisions that evolved the game kind of evolved with them but it only evolved in warhammer 2 if i were to go back and play total war warhammer 1 right now it is a time capsule of essentially that warhammer 2 release uh from 2018 it still has a ton of mechanics and design ideas that at this point we would look at and say well that's pretty outdated. Um Total War Warhammer 2 has had a really robust patch schedule. Uh, after releasing two factions, the Vampire Coast which we talked about last week and the Tomb Kings, uh they've been focusing pretty hard on adding lord packs to the game, but one of the big things that they have also been doing along this line is going back to those Warhammer 1 factions and saying like okay, right like greenskins, dwarves, the empire, you know, the vampire counts, these are factions that launched with Warhammer 1. We can spruce them up by adding kind of dev time to them in Warhammer 2 such that, you know, certain races like the greenskins play entirely differently because they have been like almost entirely reworked from the ground up to have new mechanics and functionality. Whereas like the dwarves mostly mostly play the same. They got a little feature kind of on top. Uh the the greenskins got a a, a true blue like rework. Um as part of their development so we're kind of in this world where four years later total war warhammer 2 kind of represents the collective efforts of both of these two titles with a projected third title like just over the horizon right uh they have said that the covid19 situation has pushed the requirement or the necessary uh Kind of like time and investment that would have gone into launching Total War Warhammer 3 and push that out. So it is just kind of like further afield and into the future just based on, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, but like, th- it is kind of nuts to me that in a certain sense we kind of have an MMO development cycle being applied to a 4X grand strategy slash RTS kind of hybrid.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do kind of think that Paradox kind of might have been the granddaddy who did this like, eternal dlc cycle Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term but i think total war does it better where they always give you a free update with each paid update so you don't feel like you're obligated to get the dlc if you're not interested in it because the game is still living even if you don't buy the new dlc whereas in something like stellaris you need the dlc to like be up to date yeah
0: I, i mean so so paradox does do some of it but i will agree that um that that uh total war does it better right or does it does it better from the consumer point of view yeah um paradox or does drop free lc or like free patches along with uh the, the other stuff but like to, to your point it's it's not nearly as expansive um yeah see what
1: tends to happen the the is, i feel is like kind of the baseline mechanics between the paradox games and the total war games in the total war games the baseline mechanics will hit whatever faction they hit and that's free right so if you pick up the game even if you're not like you know you're not going to play whatever the most recent lord pack is you will pick up the functionality on a mechanical level that that lord pack will give you in a lot of cases because as long as that functionality isn't faction specific right um in the way that for instance the um like for the for the warlock and the prophet dlc the, the the forbidden workshop uh, for Ikkit Claw, that is faction specific. Only Ikkit Claw has access to that mechanic. But the new Undercities mechanic that was added to the Skaven were added to all Skaven, no matter you know like where you are. If you're Tretch, if you're you know Quickhead Taker, you have access to this new sort of like subsystem. And the other stuff like the units and the faction are kind of like on top of that. Whereas it feels kind of the opposite sometimes for me um, with like the paradox of like the Stellaris DLC, right? Like if I'm picking up Federations, that is that is the of like a super core system that i just wouldn't have access to without the yeah DLC. that's like a
2: green skins level overhaul but you gotta pay for it yeah
0: yeah i i think maybe part of that is that um the factions are all like super separated right like um yeah green skins and dwarves play differently so you can kind of apply those those updates independently whereas like um the paradox uh uh expansions are kind of like system like you know System level or you know galaxy level changes, um, uh, that that kind of can't be easily like sectioned off like that. Yeah, that there's also sense. something
1: right. more drawing I feel like about the so like the main draw of a lord pack right now is first of all one new legendary lord and like a faction right. So like I want to pick up this lord pack because I look at it and I say oh you know uh Ikit Claw is a really interesting lord who I want to play. And, like, Warplock, Gisales, and Rattling Guns are the units that come in that pack. I want those units for my Skaven army. You don't have that same sort of freedom when it comes to, like, Stellaris, right? Where it's like, you know, you can, you just, like, can't do a unit pack. Maybe you could do Species, like, with the Lithoids and stuff like that. And that's, like, cool or whatever. Uh, but the, the gameplay implications are a lot worse. And I feel a bigger pull to pick up the you know like to pick up the 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 dlc in warhammer just to fill out my unit rosters like oh i would really like to play with this new unit than i do when it comes to like lithoids or whatever like there's just a, th- that same kind of almost like an aesthetic draw isn't there
0: yeah i mean you you there are tons of unit packs in uh in ck2 but they're all cosmetic um mm-hmm. right yeah, like yeah, you can like different Different costumes, but like it's it's none of it's functional because it would. It I mean, really... they,
2: they did do a ton of DLC that was like literally a, a, a race pack, if you will, like sort of Islam or like the 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 one that added India and all the Hindu religions. Remember?
0: Sure, sure, but those are like those reflect system level changes, right? Like that 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 affect. But those affects... systems
2: wouldn't affect like where the game started. If that makes any sense, like it's like. Like India was there, well, okay. So like India was there, but it wasn't necessarily they didn't imp- implement like the Hindu system into what becomes right. India, right? Right,
0: right. So it's but like, like,
2: like they, they update the Lord almost. If we wanted to parallel it to, to to Warhammer,
0: sure. But but like it, it it is a system level change in that like you know Islam like like. Like the, the the core conflict of Crusader Kings two, at least in the very beginning, is, is at some level the Crusades, right? Like the, the, the you the, weren't allowed the, to
2: play the, the Muslims, right? Right,
0: right. right. But but that, that's the point, right? Like you like that's like a, uh, but like it also affects the way that they play, and because they were behind kind of like this cloud of like unplayability. I don't know. May, 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 I see your point, but uh, it's it, it speaks slightly different differently to me. But I, but I take. It. I mean, maybe a better example would be the
2: Horse Lords, where they just were barbarians before, but then with the Horse Lords DLC, they play completely different from like a traditional tribal barbarian. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure. I see that. You see that in Europa Universalis
1: all the time, right? Like the Mandate of Heaven DLC made China a, like a playable faction um whereas before like you could play it if you wanted but like it didn't have the the sort of support that you might otherwise expect um for you know like for a big giant nation like like China is in East Asia right. so like that does happen from time to time um and and the funny part is is that those are the unsuccessful DLCs when it comes to Europa Universalis right like if i look at Europa Universalis threads where it's like what DLC do i buy people always say skip those right where whereas in Warhammer the faction DLCs i very com- i think those are the the headliners right people yeah, always talk about tomb king well so to, to be clear the so Warhammer 2- tomb
2: King's and Vampire accounts are like the most unique and maybe even most fun mechanical. Yeah,
1: like so so to be clear, I am I'm, I'm specifically saying Warhammer 2 faction DLCs, right, uh, right. the Beastmen, the Warriors of Chaos, um, you know, less so because they're pretty outdated. Um, but like yeah, like if if you were to say, okay, what DLC for Warhammer 2 should I get? People are going to say The Warlock and the Prophet because it makes Skaven super great. Um, and the two faction DLCs like right off the bat. Right.
0: I, so so part of that too though, is that like Right. Like I, I think part of the, I think part of this is part of the reason why it's uh, it's so successful is that like picking up the vampire coast makes sense if you want to play the vampire coast. Right. Mm. Um, and you can kind of safely ignore it because it will still like if, if you don't want to play it because they still exist in the game. Right. Um, my My understanding, at least, is for like the stuff in, say, Paradox is if you really want to play China, maybe it's worth it to pick up the Mandate of Heaven DLC. Um, but if you don't, it really doesn't make a difference, right? Like, it, 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 it's, you're not going to interact with any of that stuff because from the outside, they, they act basically the, the, the same. Well, so um, you
1: you fight against, even if I don't own the faction DLC, the, the Vampire Coast is in my game, and they are a right. an enemy for me to fight. So it does sort of apply in that sense to Warhammer. But I think that there's a bigger draw with the Warhammer factions. Like, there's right, just something right. about the presentation of it that is more compelling, I find. It's the uniqueness
2: of each race. I really yeah, you know what like I mean? Like, it,
1: when I was playing when i was doing my china play i should call like i think it was the ming dynasty like my ming dynasty playthrough with mandate of heaven that was like fun and everything but like it was harder for me to kind of grok what makes a ming dynasty playthrough different than my like typical spain or france playthrough right um just because like it isn't as you know like it isn't as kind of like readily apparent um the the game and, and and i like this about you know, Europa Universalis, right? Like, the game is very complex and complicated and has all these systems and everything like that. But it doesn't do a great job of communicating in the same way that, like, you put a faction lead on, you know, in a big portrait, and he, like, screams at you and he says something that is, like, iconic and character-driven, like, oh, uh, I bear the book of grudges or whatever, like Thorgrim Iron, <laughs> but, you know, and the then you counts? see... Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Some of the elector counts. And then you see on the side, and it shows very clearly, right, like, this is the faction. This is the buffs that you get, right? Like, this is the lord effects, where if you choose this legendary lord, as your faction leader. It does this. If you choose another one, it does that, right? Like, these are what the starting armies look like. This is where the starting locations are like. It's just, like, it bundles that information in a way that's very easy to communicate um, compared to the way Europa Universalis will, like, say, you know, like, I can I can go and read the Traditions Tree for france and the traditions tree for spain and i can see oh spain wants me to play as a colonist right where i'm going out and i'm colonizing the new world and that's where you know like i'm generating my power france is going to generate my power inland europe by like fighting armies and stuff like that right like i can i can kind of because i have a good understanding of what those systems look like i can make those educated guesses but i don't think that a new player would be able to do that
0: I think I think another part of this too is that like the fact like the the countries especially like within like the continents are not so different and you know it's caused fairly historical right like um you know the 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 orcs play very differently than say the dark elves, but like France and Spain play a little differently, but like the distance between them is a lot smaller than the distance between the warhammer factions by design um like i I think it'd be like super interesting to try and put like Put like that, like because you, you you sorry, uh, to, to, to like get that level of distance in a paradox game, right? Like get like a paradox version of some fantasy world with with that level of differentiation. But like we have the kind of very close distance version. Um, like fantasy
2: themed uh turn base. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and listen, oh, that's the one I think of, but I, that's not paradox.
1: Yeah, I think
0: that <laughs> might there, be it. Well, there is there. So there are none that are like paradox style games. Oh, I believe. Be like, I oh you know what paradox. it is? It's Age of Wonders that you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which they, they is not publish... in the
1: Clash end. Uh, uh, yeah, action, yeah, basically, right, yeah.
0: Right, right. Like Paradox publishes a lot of very good stuff, right? But like, right, right. It's, they they are not paradox quote unquote style games. Um, okay. um, uh, but uh, but like we we do have the kind of opposite example, right? We have very close versions, like like uh, like like Rome. Total War and, uh, Imperator. and,
2: like, yeah, Imperator,
0: Shogun uh, yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah, so, so those are all, like, the, like, the older games especially are like that, and, like, Three Kingdoms, like, Three Kingdoms historical mode, I imagine, is, like, they haven't played as, as much of this, but, like, um, I think this actually kind of is another, maybe this is a good segue, but, like, the, the, the way Total Warhammer has, like, Pushed forward and like changed the historical games. I think is super interesting, right? Like, because Three Kingdoms is like you've got your romance mode, which is effectively the total or the the Warhammer the
2: fantasy version.
0: Yeah. yeah, the Warhammer fantasy of, of Total War. It has the historical mode as as well. I think that's super fascinating because I think it really points out kind of what like what kind of like can push these Total War games over the edge because they they're like they don't quite have the the non-combat mechanical depth that say the paradox games have yeah um, no that, like- that's
1: actually very true i think uh like building an economy in, in warhammer is so much simpler than building an economy in europa universalis or Stellaris, Ugh. and i think that honestly like that's part of the draw like i i love Stellaris, and I, i'm not trying to like get on Stellaris's case here Um, Or anything along those lines. But it is like a different sort of itch. When it comes to Warhammer, I am building an economy sort of as a secondary set of design – or I'm sorry, a secondary set of mechanics to fuel the core set of mechanics, which is getting an army on the field and mashing it into another army, right? Like, Warhammer is about fighting battles, chiefly and like all of the all of the strategic map level decisions that go into like that go into that are, are like interesting and nuanced and complex but they all kind of like serve that that end goal in a way um, whereas the paradox games are more you know incredibly intricate systems they almost play more like factorio in a way right where like yeah they are these incredibly intricate systems and there is something really gratifying about putting those systems together setting them up breaking them down right like all of those sorts of pieces of the puzzle yeah yeah
0: I, I would say that that in the paradox games combat is maybe first among equals but like it is it it, it, it is like at the service of the rest of the mechanics. Um, At least in Crusader Kings, which is where I've got most of my experience, yeah. Um, uh, And and uh, maybe that can like push into like uh, a discussion of the what I think is maybe the kind of the big thing about total uh, total Warhammer is this kind of hybrid uh, turn based and uh, and real time battles thing. Now I don't play a lot of real time strategy, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious. I know you play a lot of single player StarCraft. Uh, buddy, and I believe that you have played a lot of, uh, like, StarCraft and other RTSs in the past and like, uh,
2: X. Yeah, like AOE 2, Empire Earth, Warcraft 3. Oof. Hmm. The good old days when we have you days. CDs.
0: How, how, how do you How do you think uh, Total War measures up on, on is kind of the... probably the
2: best battle sim type game on the market. Like, so... unless you're including, like, the ones where you're only controlling, like, squads. Like in terms of controlling armies, it's probably the best. Um, like the the battles are just the most fun I've ever had in in that type of game.
1: Yeah, like I, there's something sense. quite a, there's something magical about the way Warhammer sets it up, and it is this specific like like something. Okay, I, I like Warcraft three a lot, obviously. Right, like as like a WoW person, um, I've been playing Reforged, and I and I think that that like game is great on like a story and a narrative level, all these other sorts of things. But something that I feel in the mechanics. Is how limited my army is where like i build a couple of footmen and a couple of riflemen and it doesn't really feel like i have like a real army like a big robust army because like your supply is low you want to keep your supply low so your upkeep doesn't get high or whatever right and so you're kind of just like ah you know like walking over into you know like walking into battle with like a dozen dudes or whatever maybe two dozen dudes at at at, yeah. Like a big army. I mean, army. a dozen
2: dudes was like a control group. Like that was the max control. Yeah, group
1: exactly, group right. Me. And so, <laughs> and then in like Starcraft, and in Starcraft, it's better, right? Starcraft has a higher supply cap, and you also have stuff like you know, like in the co-op for Starcraft, um, you'll have certain characters who are built on these big, big swarming armies where you're filling out your whole supply total with you know just as many right um, as as many units as you but You're gonna fill the screen with zerglings or whatever, right? Um, and and like and and that's pretty gratifying um but but the core thing that I feel about starcraft versus total war is that starcraft places a lot of emphasis on. Kind of second-to-second, minute-to-minute tactics, whereas Warhammer has this incredible blend of those tactics, right, where, like, you are making momentary decisions in during a battle that will change the course of your battle, right, but also high-level strategic decisions. You get some of this in the Starcraft 2 campaigns, right, because you are, you know, like... In the Wings of Liberty campaign, you're generating research and you're choosing upgrades and you're choosing where to go, like what mission to take. But at the end of the day, right, like you are basically just doing a tactics simulator for most of the the game. Warhammer, you will be, there will be some turns where I don't go into the battle map at all. I am just doing what is essentially set up for those tactical battles, right? Where I'm moving armies around. I'm disbanding an army over here so that I can rebuild it over there. I'm managing my economy in a number of different places. I'm doing diplomacy. I'm doing all these other sorts of things. And so it kind of simultaneously has this like high level strategic gameplay that's, Dolaris has because Solaris is sort of the opposite right in Solaris there are really no tactics to the to to their battles right you have your army your army fights their army one of them wins the fucking dice you, you're rolling dice essentially and you can pr- plan for that you can see ah my my fleet is way more powerful than this guy's fleet so I know that I'm gonna win but the decisions are all on that high level tactical map right um Warhammer bridges those high-level tactical map decisions with the low-level StarCraft decisions of, like, well, if I cast Psionic Storm right here, I'm going to just, like, wipe his line of medics, and I'm going to steamroll through this battle. Right? That's the exact same thing as me saying, well, if I cast pit of shadows here. I'm going to wipe his, you know, thunderers, right. Who are dealing most of the damage. And then I just got to turn through his armor and his low DPS infantry in order to win this battle. And by fusing those two things together, that's like the, mm, that's the magic. That's the chef's kiss of (laughs) Warhammer two.
0: I mean, I I think another part of it too, is that um, it's actually significantly like, it, like put almost like a cap on, the what I'm gonna call like the micro game, right? Like you mm. can't do like you know uh, what, what's what's what was the, uh, the the famous StarCraft player that could do like the weird like the weird things with the the Marines uh, something box maybe. Do uh, well, so, you remember so, something that you do with uh...
1: Marines is like if if you attack move a group of Marines into a like into a space they will spread out along the line. Right, and what you want to do is you want to micro. Uh, are you talking
2: about? Oh, I think I know what You're talking, you're the talking about the step. lurker video, right, Mango? The uh, micros like four four Marines around a lurker to avoid yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh my I think god, that was wow. Boxer. That was back in Boxer. Starcraft 1, That's right? one yeah, 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 That yeah. was StarCraft. Yeah. One. That was Brood War.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Boxer and like you you can see this with, like like a Stalker teleporting in, in SC two. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, you know like these like incredible basically feats of of, of you know human dexterity. Are not a thing that you could you could do in Warhammer Two, right? Like you you can't do that in a way that'll like hit, hit the the
1: uh, yeah. I that'll... mean the, the the game is just so sluggish, right? Like even right. if you're casting a spell and like casting a spell at the right time is like a lot of the game. If you talk to so this is actually an interesting question. I play on hard X. What difficulty do you play on?
2: So it depends. When I was first getting into it, I just played on normal normal. Now I'm playing on very hard uh, hard. Okay. Because yeah. So. I can't. I can't handle the battles where like the AI just cheats so much that it's insane. Like, yeah.
1: So th- I, I was talking. I was talking about this with friend of the cast Berry, who also plays on very hard. I don't like playing on very hard because I just. I kind of feel like. Well, whatever. We'll get into that. We um, should probably
2: explain why, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so. so normal, it's like a relatively even playing field. When you set that, there's campaign difficulty and there's battle difficulty. When you up the campaign difficulty, basically people will be more likely to gang up on you, and they get like gold cheats and they get. uh um, they get uh, this basically you get a cheat where their units accrue passive EXP from just existing whereas your units have to get EXP from like actually fighting stuff um, and it's also the reason why like the chaos invasion which is like you can think of it as like Genghis Khan coming from like the arctic it's like so weak because when it occurs it's all low level chaos units that invade into the swath of territory that has like all max EXP units and that's mm. why they always lose when you play on like legendary for example because the, the the AI will
0: just kill the weaker AI. Yeah, we've we we've talked about this on previous casts, but like you know, dip, this this is standard for difficulty in these types of games. Is you can't really or it's, it's hard to make the AI smarter. So instead, you just like give it give it big cheats. Right, and I, right. that that is a thing that I I personally am not a fan. I believe you, you you've also shared that opinion, buddy. But yeah, uh, and it's it it they actually cool. do they, they kind of do like half and
1: half a little bit in in Warhammer. Uh, mostly be by reading your Kind of by cheating in the sense of it reads your vulnerability very well. Um the AI is much oh, yeah. more aggressive. The, the AI gets
2: map hacks too. I yeah, so that. the
1: AI will get will be much more aggressive and they see if they see you at war with like your northern front, they will go to war with you on your southern front. You know what I mean? Um which is not like in normal difficulty they'll they'll sort of like bow to their kind of like diplomatic relations same thing on like hard a a
2: lot more in in like normal like yeah in
1: in very hard top
2: 10 will not declare war on
1: you in very hard and legendary they will just kind of the moment they like blood in the water like they'll just everybody will declare war on you they'll break treaties like they don't give a fuck right (laughs) like they will they will swiggity come for that booty sort of thing which is part of why i don't like to play on on very hard difficulty um, because uh so the I other thing do you, it until I get
2: so frustrated that I just start over. Yeah, so the part. thing that kills me on those
1: <laughs> is that you're do you do a lot of siege battles, like siege defense battles, which are like fun every once in a while, which is sort okay. of where it is hold on part. Like, okay, Hold hard.
2: on. Siege battles is like the worst aspect of Warhammer. Okay, right, I'm right, right so
1: here let, let me this, here's my thing about siege battles, right? So if I'm playing a siege defense battle, right, it's gonna be something along the lines of like, okay, um, there's, a, there's like, two big stacks, and they are bearing down, and I have a good garrison, and I have walls and stuff, but it's like, can I overcome the odds and, like, push them back at the very limit or whatever? And, like, that's what makes those defense battles fun, and they are, like, legitimately like, like fun and engaging, but, like, maybe once every, like, 20 turns. Yeah. Whereas the in Very you Hard, you're doing them
2: <laughs> every turn. And you can win a lot of these battles. And it's like, on the same map, too. That's, like, the problem. Like, a bunch yeah. of maps are just reskins of, like, the same map. So there's a kind of low map diversity compared to maybe... And the thing is like that Rome you can too. never
1: auto-resolve these because, like, the AI... Like, it doesn't really properly account for, like, how winnable battles are in the right. auto-resolve. Um, Like, a lot of the times, I will just i i'll take pretty bad odds in the auto resolve all the time because i'm just like you know i'm pretty sure i can like win this right right um which is you know like that's cool and that's fun uh but on super like on super hard difficulties you're doing that all the time doing these defensive siege battles just to like hold on to the territory that you have like barely been able to attain and it's just like i don't have time for that (laughs) i'm not i'm not down for that yeah
2: like i basically gave up on my norska campaign because i just wanted to play like vikings but they haven't updated norsca in a while, and then, like, for some reason, all these random High Elf factions declare war on me, and then freaking Dark Elves declare war on me as I'm wrecking the High Elves. I'm like, why are the Dark Elves not attacking the High Elves? I've wrecked all the High Elves! And then, like, he basically just attacks me where, like, all my armies are, like, in Ulthuan, and then he, he attacks me, like, in the—as far north in my ter- territory as possible, so, so it's, like, literally, it would take me— so oh yeah to that is there. another thing is that it.
1: if they see your armies on one side of the map they will attack they just go where... to the other side yeah they'll go to the other side but that, it's that, so that's, dumb. that's super common
2: because <laughs> like i'm 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 the uh, freaking norska and the dark elves are like nominally not necessarily friendly but not antagonistic toward me uh-huh. whereas like the empire and the dwarves have done like th- th- they've just been chilling like they're way closer to me and they haven't been doing anything and i'm just like oh the game hates me <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's that that is what uh, the that, that's how that's how these but so, but, so, but so I am interested
1: in a, like, a, a somewhat of a... Like, I don't, so another reason why I prefer hard to very hard is it lets me have more flexibility with my unit rosters. This is sort of like a... Uh, this kind of is a little bit like how I got rid of Recount, which, by the way, I have picked back up again because I'm, like, dirty. Uh, but like I, I talked about how one of the things that I made... One of the changes I made to make WoW more fun for me was I got rid of Recount, so I couldn't see my DPS numbers anymore, which meant that I was all of a sudden having more fun because I was just kind of playing... The class the way I wanted to play it rather than trying to play it so that I would get, you know, however much DPS. And if I didn't get that, I felt like a, you know, piece of shit. But like, you know what I mean? And so. One of the things that you will see people do, or like people will recommend, is like you are stacking a bunch of casters in an army, or you make a whole army out of dragons and stuff like that. And it's like yeah, like you can win with those, but like I, I think the the game is more fun when your armies are more more diverse and sort of like varied. Um, and like you know, sometimes I'll do kind of like all ranged armies, but like it's a couple of different types of units. You know, like you'll have skirmishers on horseback who are like doing horsey. Stuff, and then you'll have your traditional archers, and then you might have like little artillery or something kind of along those lines. Like, I like having those different sort of like army comps, whereas yeah. it seems like high level play. Um, in well, so campaign one thing I read is, about is you can now.
2: do you can do a very hard campaign and then normal battle, so it's not bad. Because what battle difficulty does is basically just gives uh buffs to your enemy's troops in the actual battle map, so like they'll just get like boosted morale, boosted armor, stuff like that. So, the problem with that as a core mechanic of, like, making the game harder is that you basically cannot field melee infantry because your melee infantry will grind against their melee infantry and theirs will have better stats than yours. So even if you, like, flank them and you do win, your army is going to get mauled and then you have to face, like, the next battle and the next battle. Mm -hmm. So that's why the meta is to go casters and ranged units and flying units, basically. Like, when, when I watch people stream who play on Legendary, that's, like, literally... Like, they might have a couple, like, spearmen to hold the flanks, but, like, the majority of the damage is from, like, casters, monsters, and, 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 and like, archers, basically. Yeah, and, they,
1: and 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 that's something that I've never found super fun about yeah. Total War Warhammer. Like, I never want to have, like, more than one or two, like, big monster, like, dragons in an army, right? Like, my lord can be on a dragon, and I might have just one at, there to, like, may, help make siege battles easier. But, like, I, I want the core of my army to be, like, a real army a lot of the time um rather than creating these like well what happens if you put you know 20 necro sphinxes <laughs> in an army well it turns out that they like wreck shit and that's like cool i guess but that's i don't like know the only
2: way to win with norska is so like the, the whole concept that we're talking about basically is called a doom stack it's where you build like the ideal army comp to tackle like high difficulty ai mm-hmm. and like when you play norska apparently the doom stack is just you just build like the war mammoths and you just have like 19 war mammoths and, and a lord and you just go around like wrecking everything but the problem is like uh they implement i don't remember when it was it was a couple of months ago they implemented this thing where in higher difficulties you have to pay like an additional upkeep factor based on how many uh armies you're fielding and it gets like exponentially worse the more armies you have so like i'm playing on very hard and it's even harder because i can't even field two full stacks i'm at like one and a half stacks and it's like crippling my economy yeah <laughs> so
1: like, that's that, that's called the supply lines mechanic and they actually got rid of right, it for right, a while right. i actually think that they should get rid of it for certain factions like i don't think supply lines make sense for vampire uh counts and i don't think it makes sense for skaven i feel like there should be certain factions that have lots of army and there are certain factions like elves and dwarves who have very little army but like their army really like puts out so but know, that parts.
2: penalty scales with difficulty yeah <laughs> so it's insane so like if you're playing on a like i was doing this because i was playing on a normal vampire uh counts uh campaign just to see because i hadn't played them before i wanted to figure out what the mechanics were and then like I, I i basically took over like my half of the map that i was interested in so then i was like well what, what, what happens if i up the difficulty and then i just see my economy go to like negative 20k because of the armies i had and i was just like nope going back to going back to normal <laughs> It's yeah so and, and it's
1: there so that you don't do cause like and this is a, a real thing that I have done in my vampire accounts campaigns so vampire accounts is like very tough for this cause their economy is kind of tough to, to like set up um the Apparently the doom
2: stack is just you mass skeletons and you stack them on each other. And it's like yeah, a so that yeah, yeah that was it exactly
1: it. what I did. Is I made like like zombies are free units after a certain technology. Like zombies and skeleton warriors become literally free yeah. in terms of upkeep. So what you do is you have like a good stack. You have like your real stack that has like grave guard and like blood knights and all this other sort of stuff. But then you just pal around with your good stack a shit stack that is like <laughs> five hundred gold because it's like a lord maybe like one hero like one caster is in there or something um, and then it's just like a bunch of these free units that are basically just like cannon fodder for whatever yeah. fights that you that you get in and then you just like throw your you know like you throw your skeletons into those battles. And yeah, I actually kind
2: of like that cuz thematically that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. And like and I've had really good experiences with this, right? Like so the thing that defined my vampire counts campaign um is I was playing Vlad von Karstein, and a typical thing that you do when you play Vlad von Karstein is you instantly declare war on Manfred right next door and take Castle Drakenhof cuz it has a gold mine. You need gold, you don't have any money or whatever. But I didn't do that. Um because I didn't want to do the expected thing. What I did is I made a beeline for Altdorf. Um, and I, and I like, ousted the Empire. But I got into this situation where I was laying siege to Altdorf. And Altdorf has a very powerful garrison, right? Like, this is something that mm-hmm. if you are a faction uh, leader that is in your faction capital, you basically have the best garrison in the game for free, right? So I'm dealing with like Demigriff Knights it's like turn like 20. Uh, I'm and dealing with like Demi-Griff Knights counts. <laughs> and like steam tanks and stuff like that. But the way that I was able to win that fight is I would lay siege, they would sally forth and I had these big stack of guys and I would lose a ton of units, right? But then I would win and raise dead on top right. of it. And I did this like two or three times and eventually I just wore them out of their units and I was like this is like the most vampire counts thing ever right exactly you know you fight them you get a big battle with huge losses and then you uh and then you raise dead immediately after to like replenish their army while they can't replenish at all and you kind of like get them out through fatigue and i think that like that is the cool this is like one of the cool things that warhammer does uh that other games in the genre uh i like i like this is the thing that makes it the best i guess
2: well, because it's fantasy cuz like if you did that in like a Rome or a medieval, the player base would be like how does this make any sense? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: And, and that's, that's true, it makes right? Sense like in Warhammer. <laughs> even even in like Rome, like Total War Rome or in like Three Kingdoms, right? Like you don't have that kind of flexibility, right? Like you do have a certain amount of flexibility when it comes to your like your army and you can have like these ranged focused armies or melee focused armies or special units whatever, you know, like whatever. But you will never have that kind of like high level difference between factions in, in this sort of way, like the playing a campaign as dwarves with no cavalry and all your units are super slow, but they're very armored is so radically different than playing a game with, you know, like the vampire counts who have these, like the raised dead mechanic and their zombies are cheap, but their high, high end, like their high units are super expensive and they have no ranged units and stuff like that. Like it, because it is, they are freer to sort of create big gulfs and differences between the factions. Um, they're able to make playing
2: those factions much more unique. Yeah. That's kind of like the problem is like the divergence of the fan base. Because like if you go on the Reddit, it's a it's a bit like extreme, like the two extreme ends. Like there's the one extreme end that grew up with like Rome 1, Medieval 2, and even like Rome 2. And they want like the big siege battles where like, like in Medieval 2, for example, if you had like a really high level fort, you would have to besiege like three different layers to actually win the battle. And the battle could take like 45 minutes, whereas like a siege in Warhammer probably takes what 20 minutes tops.
1: Yeah, it's mostly like any other
2: battle. So, like, there's like a uh, huge divergence there. But the problem is, the incentive is for them to go more the fantasy style because that's what's making them money.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, it's it's like like the historical guys. Yeah. Uh, see the historical crowd to like, uh, to paradox, let them have their, their complexity and, uh, and you know creative assembly now they're they're the ones that complained the most
2: like they complained about thrones because okay to be fair there were a lot of apparently broken things about thrones but i didn't really pay attention because i had no intention of that 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 time period didn't interest me but then three kingdoms i was like i know what this is aimed for this is aimed for the chinese market it is so aimed for the chinese market like they basically i don't want to call it a cash grab because it was actually a pretty good game in my opinion but it was like Kind of almost abandoning their original fan base. I I don't know that I
1: think that that's fair. Like I feel like you can make you can make the, games. I would argue the the audiences.
2: Yeah, but the Europe, the people who were like the hardcore like Rome players didn't like Three Kingdoms, and then because it wasn't quote unquote realistic enough, or they didn't like that time period because they're they're like Western European history people who like like the original fan base. Like yeah, that. I don't know. And I, then you've I got the fantasy a, fan base thought. and. And Three Kingdoms isn't fantasy enough, so it's like this weird, happy medium that the Chinese people are like, "Oh let's play this <laughs> like, I, I, I,
1: I feel like you know it's it'd be like getting on Assassin's Creed case for like setting it outside of like Renaissance Italy after Assassin's Creed 2, right like part of making new games is about setting them in new locations with like new context, and I feel like that's perfectly fair.
2: No, I don't think it's a bad strategy. I just think that it's um making the fan base like weird. If that makes sense, or if the if their Reddit is any indication, I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
1: I do spend a lot of time on the Total War subreddit, so I do I do understand what you what you're getting at.
2: Because there's <laughs> like this huge divide between like the historical players and the fantasy players, and then like I think Troy was also like people were complaining because it was trying to go like middle of the road, where it was like the whole myth behind the or, sorry the reality behind the myth or whatever however they framed it. So like they have these mythological units that are basically mon- They would be monster units in fantasy, but they're basically not monster units but they fill that that niche mm-hmm. in Troy like the minotaur literally can get like 150 kills in its a single unit <laughs> it,
0: it, but is is it is it a bull-headed man thing or is it yeah, a yeah
2: it's a bull-headed man thing well
1: it's, okay. it's it is a big it is a big guy okay who it's a big guy wearing a bullhead. head it's
2: not a real monster yeah. like it's a like dude. there is They're a cyclops like a and the
1: cyclops is a big guy who is wearing
2: an elephant skull for a for for oh. a helmet
0: yeah. I see and
2: then like I... the centaurs are basically just cavalry mm. and they're like the only cavalry in the game
0: <laughs> okay um so so just kind of on, on that thing like three kingdoms kind of just tried to split the baby by letting you toggle right like like historical they, mode they originally
2: weren't going to though that's the thing like there was so much outcry against the romance mode that they had to or at least this is my perception there was so much outcry against the romance mode from the historical fan base that they added the records mode which is the more historically
1: realistic mode uh i'm so, not sure that there it's quite cause causal in that in that way but they definitely focus on romance mode like yeah. you know like all of the promo materials was about romance were about like romance mode um there was very little featuring like if you were gonna watch a community manager stream on the um you know, like, on the Total War Twitch page, uh, you're going to watch them stream in romance mode. And I think yeah. part of that is because, like, the big new flashy mechanics were all in, we're all romance kind of, like, focused, right? Like, Three Kingdoms is very character-driven um, because you have to create your army out of these retinues of, you know, like, your general... What did you think uh, of that mechanic? I'm curious. Uh, I liked it for that. I don't know that I'd like to see it. I've seen people say that it's, this should be in Warhammer, and I'm like, no...
2: i don't want that for warhammer at all um but Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of interesting though to have like three lords in an army and then maybe you wouldn't have to get heroes. Like, heroes would have a, a – See, that's the thing is role. I love
1: the hero – I love heroes. And I love the hero-agent divide. Or, like, not divide, but, like, the way you can have certain – Like, I, when, I, when I'm playing, I'll have heroes who are, like, my battle heroes that are embedded in armies most right, of the right, time. Right. And then my yeah. agent on the map running around assassinating guys' heroes, you know, like, who are right. doing – And I think that that – and being able to sort of, like, swap in, swap out is uh, is, like, super core to how Warhammer plays. And I wouldn't want to tinker with it.
0: I, I, but you can make a faction that like worked around that. Like oh, so, like yeah, that, yeah. that thing. Um but uh, I don't know what faction... Yeah, like, I wouldn't be surprised... Like,
1: imagine a redesign of the vampire counts that was something like that, right? Where you have like, individual vampires who are... or like, necromancers or whatever, who are like, summoning their armies, which is why they're like, carrying their retinues around, and it's like, Mm -hmm. specific to them in the way that it was for for Three Kingdoms. Like, I think that that might be, like, workable. Because there are some, like, there are some factions that have very, very powerful... Like, vampire counts. are this. They're very, very powerful heroes. They're very hero-focused, right? Whereas other factions are... Are, you know just like less interested like Brittonia has heroes and like you're going to want to embed a damsel in you know your armies sometimes um but like they they don't I mean, have incredible... just
2: cavalry in your face
0: <laughs> yeah like they don't
1: have incredibly powerful uh uh hero units and like therefore you know it wouldn't make sense for someone like them
0: uh so have... about
2: mustering oh sorry go ahead
0: uh, finish your thought, X. What, what, what so do like, you mean by mustering?
2: Mustering is where you recruit and then it takes turns for your, your, your unit to come to full strength. As oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. winning X turns to get the full strength unit. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you think about that compared to, like, because I like of, that.
1: That was actually Britonium, Britonium, yeah, Britannia. Yeah, they did that in first, and then they uh, did it in Three Kingdoms. And I think that, that was, I think that that's a pretty great mechanic. I would like to do that more often. Because there are a lot of times where I... You know, like, I kind of like the idea that I make a tactical choice there. Where it's like, alright, I have about one turn to do stuff before this, unit, before this army arrives. Do I want to recruit a full one-turn base unit? Or do I want to recruit a half-strength good unit that i can like you know if i win the battle or whatever i can like replenish up later sort of thing right um,
2: i think that that's like cool i hope i would like to see them maybe implement that in certain uh races in warhammer i just feel like some it might not work because of how monster units are so important i don't know how you would do that like i don't know how you muster oh, yeah, 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 a monster yeah. unit i feel like that's a monster my only, unit would be
1: my only complaint with a that. monster unit would have to muster at full strength after like three turns or something like that yeah
0: yeah I, that that would be a way to like make the decision interesting right like mm. you you can't must you can't muster uh, or you know it takes time to, to do the bigger units um but uh kind of so so to, to jump back to the three kingdoms thing just for a second have have either of you played like both modes?
1: Um, nope, I only I played have, romance. I only I played no romance. I had no interest. I
0: also in playing only records. played romance when I played. Alright. So. I do
1: know people who have played records. Um uh because I follow a streamer called Party Elite who is like a like a YouTuber. Um he doesn't have a ton he doesn't have like a big audience, but they're pretty dedicated. But these guys are like historical guys and he played uh Three Kingdoms in records. Um which was pretty interesting. I you know, one of the things that's funny about it is um it isn't as different as you might think. One of the things that Warhammer did was they got rid of the idea of a lord's bodyguard, which used to be the, you know, like you would have your lord, but he would also be surrounded mm. with a bodyguard unit, a very high tier, like infantry, right? Like Praetorian Guard in Rome 2, for instance. Um, and you would find these situations where you were sending your like Lord into battle, but really you were sending his whole kind of like his personal bodyguard retinue into battle. Just because and, they
2: were so good compared to your, like, yeah,
1: exactly. Inventory. Right. And that's how <laughs> records mode works. But the thing is, yeah. is that because like those units are typically so good, it has the same sort of function as sending your super powerful, you know, like Lord who runs into melee and like one V ones, an entire unit. Um, just because, like, you you still have the bodyguard. So, like, I didn't detect a, a crazy, like, real mechanical difference between the... Do, do they still have the skill tree
2: in uh, Records Mode?
1: Mm-hmm. Really? They because, don't like, do... some of the
2: skills is, like, do 2,000 damage in an AoE around you.
1: Uh Oh, the, so they didn't do that stuff. But, like, the passives... Well, you know, that's actually kind of interesting. I actually don't remember. This was, like, two years ago now, so I'm not really sure. But yeah. I I remember that, like, you know, you had your cunning generals and you had your you know whatever dauntless generals and stuff like that so they they definitely had a skill tree of some variety um but i think passives and they got rid of the
2: actives because the actives are broken
1: well some of the actives were very like some of the actives i think do ten thousand damage in an aoe round it was basically a spell (laughs) yeah like, like some of that stuff i feel like going away would make sense but there's also actives that were like your archer's Shoot better for ten seconds. That's a very records. Okay, well, that makes know. sense. Yeah. Like, like, this is something that actually the the historical fans have a gripe with when it comes to uh, like the Warhammer titles is that there used to be a lot of sort of like stance dancing ability usage right where you were like, okay, I'm going to put my units into turtle stance to make them good against ranged fire. I'm going to put them into this stance, into that stance, and gonna... you can do that in Three Kingdoms. Yeah, you and you can definitely do that like in Spearwall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, mm-hmm. it's it is less so in Warhammer. Um, outside of, like, certain instances, right? Like, Bretonian cavalry gets stances. Uh, uh, the very bad artillery that nobody uses from the elves gets stances. Um, you know, like, stuff like that. Like, most of the time, your unit is just your unit, and it will get situational buffs for, you know, whatever sorts of things are happening. True. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, I feel like part of that is because there are so many different units, right? Like, each faction has its own... It's like its own unit list, right? Um, whereas you could kind of like give, kind of you could like put flavor on the skeleton of the same units in the historical games by mm-hmm. giving them stances, right? Like you know, you could have the same kind of like infantry across the factions, but the Roman ones can do the the you know the the the, the shield wall. And uh, you know, then the head hurlers from Britannia, from from you know, real real Britannia, can can throw their lime covered heads at, at people. Yeah, I mean, um, I have a
1: very blasé take on this, which is just like stances is magic for historical nerds, right? Like, ma- like the I, I feel like stances and magic are functionally the exact same thing um whereas in one it is like oh well if i press this button on my general he's empowering that unit to hit harder by saying something inspirational that is historical whereas the other one is like i cast a a a sharpened sword spell on my boys and they hit harder because i cast a spell it's like (laughs) it's the same shit you guys
2: like (laughs) i mean to be fair though there was there was nothing there was nothing as impactful as like offensive magic though like like, Winds of Death back in... Like, I think when it when two, when Warhammer 2 first came out, Winds of Death, was it? Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the vampire lores. It literally could wipe out, like, three full infantry units if you overcast it or something. It was just, like, an insanely overpowered spell that got nerfed. But, like, there was nothing that impactful in, like, the historical titles, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I you know, I like magic. I think magic is really dynamic and really fun. Um, though I tend to like magic in a way that other people do. Like, so, for instance, when I'm playing bretonia if you watch people play Bretonia, a lot of the time they will take like Lord of Heavens, which is like a really, really good lore. And they won't take Lord of Life or like they'll take Lord of Life in a specific kind of like circumstance, right? They won't take, well, I don't even remember what the other lore is. Um, I tend to swap it up. I, I really hate having like all of my guys be like, well, Lord of Shadows is the best lore. So I'm going to put a Lord of Shadows caster in every single one of my armies. Um, I always want to try and like create an army that complements the lore of whatever caster, you know, like is going in there. So like if Lord of Heavens, right, uh might make I you know, like I might be able to use something that's that's powerful for them, uh I'll try and make an army that complements that. Uh which is part of my like I want to make armies that are not just doom stacks that will roll everything. Right.
2: I almost uh, feel like the, uh, what's that, there's like a, each hero, ha- an each uh, lord that's not legendary has like an inherent trait to it too, right? Because there's some that, some of those inherent traits are broken, like there's one that gives you like, plus 10 winds of magic or something, or, or I can't remember exactly what the mechanic is. Do you mean for, uh, do, do you mean for beating a legendary lord? No, 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 no. Like your your agents have like an intrinsic trait. Like when you recruit them, you see what lores they have, but you also see oh, like the yeah, intrinsic yeah, yeah. trait they have. No, that's like, something, like that, one that that's just something... gives you bonus woods of magic. That's like it's faction wide though. That's why it's so broken. Yeah, there. Like, you get like a bunch of heroes that have that trait. You just start off with like, like broken amounts of like bonus magic. Yeah, like things.
1: legendary uh, streamers, like people who are playing on like that super legendary difficulty. Uh, what they will do is, um. They 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 will re-roll the start because a lot of a lot of factions will start with a hero and you'll just re-roll the hero until they have a good passive trait, <laughs> uh, which yeah. I like that. That's the kind of stuff that I'm like I can't I can't be
2: fucked. I don't like that, but it's like almost something you have to do to like you know. To, to be honest, AI it kind teams.
1: of reminds me of like playing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like playing the meta versus playing for fun in like League of
0: Legends. Like, right, do you
1: guys yeah. know the, the YouTuber Magikarp used Fly?
0: yeah he just put
1: out a video called like my love hate relationship with league of legends where he talks about like essentially he's a casual player right and he wants to play the game because like it's evocative and it's fun and all all this other stuff like he wants to create those like big wow moments right but that like over time the game has just become so ranked focused so try hard so lcs focused right Um, that it's kind of, like, just become unfun for him to play. Even in normals? Even in unranked? You know, like, this is his video. He also, you know, like, as a content creator, he has certain grades. But I feel like that's the same kind of, you know, it's the same sort of thing that that underlies my perspective on Total War Warhammer. Like, I'm sure if I wanted to play Legendary, um, I could get good enough and I could spend the time and learning the things and, you know get better at fighting battle i like i'm sure if i walked into it right now i'd just get raffle stomped but um you know uh, you basically
2: have to employ like what i would almost term cheese strats to yeah. like beat the ai because the ai cheeses you essentially
1: so you yeah and, that, and, that's exactly, and that's exactly what i don't and that's exactly like what i don't but like. it's not
2: enjoyable to cheese most of the yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, think that, I think that's actually kind of the the, the, the big problem that, that, that plagues a lot of these games, right? It's like you need to like go down one of these like really cheesy rabbit they holes. They actually to... did
2: improve the AI in Three Kingdoms a little bit where like on higher, dif- like one example that's extremely trivial, but it, actually quite important is like if you send out your lord at lower difficulties at them, just like by himself, the enemy archers will shoot you at lower difficulty, but at higher difficulty they won't. So just like slight behavioral tweaks like that can actually make the AI a lot better without cheating. If that makes any sense, because yeah, like one way right. people cheese in Legendary against like uh, enemy in Warhammer, for example, they will just send out like the the, the the Lord, and he will just waste all the artillery ammo until there's, and then he will send his army, and after he's wasted all the artillery ammo, like that to me is just so boring. But like yeah. you have to do it or else you lose. So like I don't like that. That's how they make the AI quote unquote harder. You can also you can
1: also dodge artillery with micro. Yeah, you literally just is, you just yeah. micro him
2: like left to right. <laughs> and you can do the same thing to towers to like prevent the tower from shooting your troops. Yeah, and, so. and and and
1: and that is exactly why and that's exactly why I don't know, like part of it is like honestly trying trying to RP a little, right? Like to play the role, yeah. right? Like if I'm playing, you know, Skarsnik or if I'm playing Grimgore Ironhide, I want to play like they would play. And the mechanics and aesthetics will get you there a certain amount, right? Like the mechanics especially because like they will sort of fuel your your play style, right? Like you get a lot of money out of raising and sacking settlements as greenskins, you don't get a lot of money out of doing that as dwarves. So like on a dwarf playthrough, your your internal economy is going to be very good, right? But like you're not going to be you're not going to have to like go around and sack places in order to keep your economy up. If you're playing greenskins, your internal economy is shit. But like if you go out and sack settlements in your Wa or whatever else, you will um that's where you'll be, like, generating your gold. And so, like, that's, a, that, that's, like, a mechanical thing where they tweak the numbers and they say, okay, the gold generating is going to be really bad for their, for their you know, economy, but if they want to raise their sack of settlement, they're going to get two times, three times as much gold as a normal, you know, whatever. And it, it fuels your gameplay in that way, where I'm sending, okay, I want to build a new army, I'm going to send Grimgore out, and he's just going to go, like, raise a ton of places down a whole line until his his army is spent and i'll take him i'll bring him back home kind of thing right like that that the mechanics have now informed the way i play and that way that i play is like evocative of what it means to be a rampaging orc who goes on these campaigns you know sacking settlements and destroying towns or whatever Um, so i would argue
2: it works for the orcs because they can resettle once they've raised the problem is when you look at the horde factions that can't do that it's just like so painful because you literally just by the time you've like finished your warpath they're already like recolonizing where you started
1: yeah i mean <laughs> and i, I like actually just we're... completed a campaign as chaos warriors which right. was uh which was a trip i actually got an achievement that like puts me i'm i mean in like the very special echelon Dude,
2: everyone hates beastmen and chaos because they're just so bad in that niche. yeah it's one of those right. things Respect. where it's
1: like you know like only like yeah, 1% of players have play have defeated a Warriors of Chaos single player campaign. But, yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's just not a common thing that, you know, it's that just people do. It's just
2: not fun the way hordes like I think Vampire uh, Coast does it well because you're like a pseudo horde. Mm. Like it's fun to do the horde thing to role play like like I, when I played uh Vampire Coast, I literally just raided all of Othwan, just like sacked every city and then went home. Like that was fun to role play, but like In terms of actually winning, quote-unquote, the campaign, it actually didn't do that much for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do like it in certain sort of contexts. Um, Like, the Beastmen have a pretty okay time with it because they have ambush like built into their like this is one of the things that the warriors of chaos can't ambush which is such a big deal being able to ambush is so huge for this game right um because something that you can do is you can trick the ai where like you will raise a settlement Yeah, because ambush actually it makes you invisible
2: like it it actually breaks the cheat
1: and so uh, you will walk away from the settlement you'll go into ambush and then like one or two turns later the ai will come in and settle that and then you immediately just come out and (laughs) wreck them and like that stuff feels good that's that's when it feels fun or i'll do this all the time in beastman also where i will have a Army in a regular stance, like in a raiding stance, and then the, and ambus- then the ambush, ambush right army, yeah, <laughs> then the no. ambush army right in between, and then they will come attack my raiders, and I'll, I'll, like that's my big tactic to draw, uh, to draw armies out of cities because this is this is one of the core things about Warhammer, actually. Um, a lot of campaigns. The when the AI is on the defense, when you're like winning, they will just hole up in their cities. And those right. battles really suck. Those are the siege battles that make me want to like claw my eyes out. Offensive siege battles 40v40 40 40 are just like super not fun. But the way but you can you can like make cool tactical decisions to like draw them out and make them make bad plays, which is like, you
2: know, that's the cool shit. That's the fun shit. Yeah. One thing I did in Troy on accident was like I was supposed to take the city, but they put their stack in it. So I was like, screw this, I'm gonna go attack their capital. So I took their capital and then they rushed out of the city I needed to take for like a campaign objective. And then so I just like went around the ocean and just took that (laughs) in the meanwhile. It was just like so troll. I basically cheesed the AI without even meaning to do it. (laughs) Like like he wouldn't leave the city I needed to take. So I was like, I'll just go take your capital. And then he he comes out after I've taken the capital, so then I go back and take like the actual city I wanted. (laughs) So dumb.
0: So that's, like, not, that's not really cheesing right like you know like, it's not but like it's not like you would have if i had been the player i would have given up the
2: minor settlement instead of the capital settlement like you know what i mean it's right,
0: like it's, right it's uh right. it's,
2: it's, it's much more important to have the capital settlement
0: right but but it's, it's an imperfect version of of it but like if you think about it right like that that sounds like like this sounds like a, a you know it's like slightly modified like a real version of uh of something that like could happen in history right you know like uh we you know like they, they were pressing on our minor city but while we weren't looking and we were distracted they ran on the back and took a capital now it's on the game for not being like well you you kind of like overdid your objective you don't need to take that city anymore right like, that, like in an ideal world the game would be like huh you actually did better than we wanted you to do so you know kudos for that but you know that's just a hard thing to to account for right
1: that's fair. I, guess. Um. I, I I, actually also sort of agree with this. I think people make fun of the AI more than it deserves um, in, in certain kind of contexts. Like, I feel like players... <sighs> it's tough because, like, you want the AI to be sort of, like, fair and defeatable, but, like, you also don't want the AI to be, like, pants-on-head ridiculous. And you sometimes we'll get into these situations where like the AI will make a very bad play or make a very like bad maneuver or whatever and it'll be like law the f-, you know like the computer's so fucking stupid or whatever <laughs> else right but like you the the AI has to do that sometimes right like in order to 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 give the game kind of like a variety and have it be fun like I don't think I want to play deep blue all the time when I'm playing StarCraft, you know, like I, that, that is fun sometimes. And for some people maybe, but like, you know, a variety of AI that, that are doing things that are, you know, there, there's like a room that's kind of like believable and sort of like, it makes sense. And and it's a very like thin line. That's like, that's kind of hard to hit on one side. You have ridiculousness where the AI is just, Super, not making good plays at all, and on the other side, you have the AI who is making like picture perfect plays all the time, which are like super frustrating and not fun to play against.
0: Yeah, yeah that's so, fair. I think it's I just, agree with you. I, I just, think I that wasn't part... even
2: an ambush stance though. So like, they knew where my army was, and they chose to let me take the capital, which is like strategically not the thing they should have done, in my opinion. Like the yeah. AI should have been programmed to defend its capital over the miners' of the settlement.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's things that are that are ridiculous and things that are like like there's things that like stretch that belief right yeah. like, um, and and I, I take your point, buddy. Right, you don't always want to be taking playing the the smartest person, but um, you you do like
2: like what I anticipated
0: that move would do
2: when I moved, like I moved my army like from the minor settlement to like two thirds of the way to the capital. I expected his army to chase me, but instead his army just stayed in the minor settlement <laughs> instead of like engaging me in a battle. Like racing to the capital. Yeah, I, but
1: I think there's other pieces of that too, right? Like the uh, the the computer doesn't always know that you're going to be able to one v one its its capital garrison or whatever, right? Like you know maybe it I, I make this kind of choice all the time in my campaigns where I will look at an army invading my territory and I'll say. I can win that, I can win that garrison battle. Like, siege up, my dude. Well, I'll see you in three turns, right? Like, and and that's, like, a risk that I am hypothetically taking. And I feel like there is space for the AI to also be making that same risk. And, like, sometimes, like, it is my job as the player against that AI to punish them for taking that risk and having it not pay off, right? Um, and that's sort of what I'm, like, getting at in, in a certain sort of sense, right? Like, the, the, like there is that... It's it's so hard to get that line right.
0: Yeah, there's a line between feeling like you've outsmarted an opponent and like you've abused uh, a deficiency. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like this is my this is my thing about
1: ambush stance, right? Like that feels like me outsmarting an opponent, right? Like when I when I'm making a tactical choice, like on like it's one of those things a human would never fall for this, but ambush stance doesn't work against humans because like of the way the camera works, the camera will show your army just disappear off the map, and any human will just with like. Like any object permanence will go. There's an army in ambush stance right there. Obviously, right? Um, if we, if like we were playing, you know, whatever, a competitive campaign of Total War sort of thing. But like, I think it is cool that like I can dupe the like dupe the computer in that sort of way. But there are definitely places where like the computer will do things like that are just like honestly, you you can't imagine why they would make the decision. And, and it does sort of, like, ruin the fantasy in a way, right? Like, I've had this happen where the computer will have one army they'll, – they'll have two armies sieging two different settlements that are both within a turn of one another. And you're just like, those armies should group up. Put one of those armies to reinforce the other army and take the capital instead of, like, doing – instead of, like, splitting your forces like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and – even that is a situation where, like, you can make an argument or whatever. Like, you want the AI to do stupid stuff sometimes so you can kind of, like, take advantage of it. But, like, this is what I mean about the line being so thin. Like, it's just so hard to nail that on its head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, absolutely. Um, and I, I think this part of it is just, like, hard to to, to make, make an AI feel like a person. And part of that is because you know it's an AI, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, if, if you, like... I, like I wonder how how it would be if like you like connected to a multiplayer game, but it wasn't a multiplayer game; it was just like a computer, but the game didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, that, that
1: would be interesting. Oh my god, I really wonder what would happen. I think people would be like, "Oh my god, this computer's so stupid at people making legitimate mistakes."
0: Um, or or uh, I was thinking the other way around, but yeah, that would be that would be interesting, huh?
1: Oh, where you tell them that it's a human, but it's actually an AI
0: yeah 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 interesting I, i'd be interested to see like at what point you can figure that out yeah um um but uh i think we've kind of uh we've we've hit the edge of our normally a lot of time for warhammer Did you guys yeah, want to sure, talk sure. anything about warhammer before we move to uh, uh,
1: you should talk about warhammer you because you've been playing a little bit right what is your um, do you no, have any nothing,
0: none, nothing that i could i feel like i could i could i could add on super constructively right like vampire coast is fun um I think at some level, I'm just not a huge fan of real time strategy battles like this. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got, I go into the battles, I've won most, I've won all of the ones that I've fought. Um, But it just at some level just kind of feels like, oh yeah. And then uh, I I feel like I end up waiting a while. And maybe I should just be speeding it up faster, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to like, you know, miss some key moment. But uh, like, yeah, yeah, I do. is also
1: tough. Like, I, I I've I had a very hard time with Vampire Coast because they are a ranged focus faction, but their range is all gunpowder weapons. Like, one of the things that you can do in Wood Elves um, is because they're all arrows, they can arc, right? But a gunpowder right. faction cannot shoot through its own units, right? So you have to have a clear sight line, which makes those battles really tough, I find. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to, like, position your armies and get it so that, like, you know, like, your 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 deck gunners, your, right, like, your gunnery mobs, these guys are putting out a lot of damage. But getting them to the sweet spot of, like, they have a good, clear, strong, strong sight line, but they're also not about to be just, like, run down by the enemy infantry. Like, that's tough.
0: Yeah, no, I, I – so I, I just haven't had problems with that so much. Um, I think because initially I didn't realize that I needed the clear sight line. Um, but like, uh, I mean, part of, part of the, 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 biggest thing I do to like win battles faster is I turn off skirmish mode. I just like, let them stand there. You know, I take massive losses, but I feel like that's what. Oh no. Turn, I, I turn off skirmish do.
1: mode as a rule. Uh, I think skirmish mode is very bad and I very rarely enable it. Actually, that's not true. I keep it on for horse guys. Cause there's yeah, so wh- fast that it doesn't matter, but
0: yeah. Um, but, like, you know, I'll, I'll be like, why why are you not fighting them? It's like, oh, because they're trying to reposition themselves, so they're not, like, immediately up he's Like, no, just throw the bombs. Don't give a shit, right? Or, uh, yeah,
1: that's interesting. See, a lot of the time when I'm playing Vampire Counts, or when I'm t- doing er- any, or Vampire Coast rather, but when I'm doing anything with, like, gunpowder units, so, like, also Empire, also uh, Dwarves, right, is I will try and clip the enemy units, because you can do this thing where, like, if I have my regiment like go super wide and I clip a little bit of his regiment, I can kind of keep his guys engaged and then just like nail the open piece of his unit. Cause his unit wants to stay together. Um, and that's how you sort of like lock them down. You lock them down in melee and then like fire into their butts kind of thing.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Huh? Well, I, I might have to, to, to screw around with that at some point, but I'm not super deep into anything. And like, I, I because because i like i really enjoy kind of like the the larger campaign stuff a little bit more and you know as we've discussed it is generally weaker than uh than in uh than than in the other games yeah. uh uh it's it's uh it's uh it, it you know I it, it's just not as enjoyable to me as uh as in Sorry about that. Yeah, I feel like
1: you need to – I feel like you almost have to want it in a way. Like, like one of the things that makes the campaign – like, this is a symbiotic relationship, right? Like, I'm building up that economy so that I can afford to put the black dragon in my army. And, oh, won't my army be so fucking cool with that dragon, right? And then I'm, like, sending my army around to go do stuff to, like, pump the – you know, like, to put my – Like, this is the thing that makes Dark Elf so fun. Getting your slave economy up – is just so satisfying and just sacking settlements and seeing these huge numbers of slaves that you are going to take, which are then going to multiply your economy. And you're just going to be sitting at like 25, 30 K gold a turn or whatever. Like that is, that is the situation where the battle stuff reverberates back into and kind of like gets that, you know, like systems brain going right where I'm setting up these cool, complex systems to make my economy run really well or whatever. Uh, but it is a lot less common than in Stellaris or EU4 or CK2 kind of thing.
0: Or CK3. Or
1: so CK3, soon? Yeah, like right around the corner. Did you guys? Did you guys pre-order? I did not. I did.
0: I am. I, I am. So ready. You're going to take time. So off. Well, this is
1: a good time to like get into our weeks a little bit. Uh, uh, are you going to take time off to play CK?
0: I'm going to take at least a day. Okay. Um, um, I I might I might do some other stuff around then just because uh, it's Labor Day weekend the next weekend and I want to maybe go see my family. So sure. Um, why does it my, drop
2: on – you were you were telling me that games drop on Tuesday, Mango. Why do they do that?
0: Tuesday? I'm not sure why, but they very typically do. Uh,
1: um, it's, it's called New Media Day. It is just something that has pulled forward. Like, you'll also see that CDs have traditionally dropped on Tuesdays. And when movies come out on, like, VHS or DVD in the yesteryears, they would also drop on Tuesdays. It's just, like, the day that a record store would get all the new media.
0: Yeah. uh, The, the, the the big exemption to this is, is, uh, or at least the famous exemption to this is, is, uh, Dragon Quest, um, drops on weekends because, uh, it causes disturbances in the Japanese economy. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: wow. So
0: like, like I think one of the early ones, like literally, like so many people took off, like the rumor was is that Japan made a law that it had to drop on the weekend. But, um, I think, like, the government asked them to please release it on the weekend. They were like, okay, and every Dragon Quest game since then has been released on the weekend. Um, uh, you see some of the not, not for, like, you know, economy reasons, but you see this happen with some of the bigger games. They get dropped on weekends. That way everybody can jump in. So logistically, um,
2: are you going to take Tuesday off and then just work the they- rest of the week?
0: that that'll be the plan i mean
1: right? I, I I legitimately plan on taking David if you're listening to this my dude I am taking like the whole week when when the new shadowlands drops I haven't yeah, taken, I, mean, I haven't taken time off like all year basically and uh you know uh which is great because you know obviously I love my job and I'm happy to to like put time and effort into it and everything like that uh but boy oh boy am I excited to be able to take some time off.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to take a week off for Cyberpunk, assuming it comes Oh, yeah,
1: Cyberpunk is another one I was thinking about. I feel like Cyberpunk and Shadowlands to? are going to be pretty close. Uh, November. November?
2: That's kind of around my birthday, too, yeah. Oof. Dude, we were all going to play the Amazon MMO. And
0: the New World? World? Yeah, I was actually yeah. super hyped for that, but is it got it? pushed back.
2: Oh, it got pushed back? Yeah. Well, I, so it was 12-8, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it got pushed back to
0: August. I never paid attention to this
1: again. MMO stuff except for through you guys. Like, I never would have known 14 was patching until you told
2: told me. Yeah, I didn't know I, until Nick
0: told us. Yeah, no, I well, so I have been looking forward to this pet patch in particular because I like the game. I was like, oh, if I could only get pet through, yeah, this uh, this intercalary thing. It's like okay, and then apparently, like, so according to, to to friend of the cast Nick, um, because that's what I've been playing it this week. It's like they reduced it from like hundred quests to like eighty. Um, so like not nearly the shortening that I thought. It was are like, you
2: are you subbed or are you on I, the free trial?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm subbed because I couldn't, I don't know if I can reactivate the free trial on my formerly premium account, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, I thought, I also thought I was just going to be like, through it, right? Like, I'm still in between ARR and Heaven's Break.
2: Bro, don't even get at me. It's more enjoyable fishing than leveling with the freaking Arcanist, man.
0: Well, I'm that's like because fishing killer, is the fun something summoner. you can do in the game.
2: Um, well, no, I'm like a level 30 fisherman, and I'm like a level 18 arcanist.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean oh that's God. how you play the game. Like you, you were that, that is that is how I played the game. X. Uh, my 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 uh, uh, my archer or my bard is only above my fisher at this point because I can't unlock the later fisher quests until I get through the intercalary. Can't, so. <laughs> can't,
2: can't you still get exp
0: though? Uh, I can get exp, but I not. It's I'm I. It's Not as fun for me to grind it R- rather levy like
2: quests, bro. Levy quests,
0: leave, leave, leave quests, leave quests, uh, however you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know. It's French. Half this, half this game is French. I don't know how to spell, I
1: don't know how to pronounce that.
2: I think we <laughs> called them levies, actually.
0: Okay, well, maybe but Anyway,
2: I-, I played like 15 minutes of just doing levy quests and I gained like 10 levels.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, so. <laughs> so the uh the the way to level like so you're supposed to play your first class through the main story and then uh the way to level alternate classes through the crystal palace um which is supposed to be fun at least for your first couple of secondary classes which is probably how i'm going to do my mechanist whenever i i I, uh, unlock it or machine it's machinist machinist. yes machinist sorry i for whatever reason it stuck in my head as as mechanist that is not true that from pso uh uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think I've always called it mechanist, like uh like dude. Uh, i we
2: might actually have to play PSO too when like gets that huge graphical well, update.
0: Maybe. you uh, can play on
2: controller, dude. Uh maybe. It's also on Steam now apparently.
0: Right, 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 right. Um but yeah, uh that has been most of my time this week has been uh, has been Final Fantasy 14 and, and the story's good and the music's actually pretty great. Um, Some of it's kind of cringe, like Uriange talks like like a no, dumb spoilers, Shakespeare. bro. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just kidding. This isn't even a spoiler, gonna, right? Like, like,
2: I, I remember like, when we played like five years ago, or whatever it was when we all first started playing, that like I leveled my archer to max level and then refused to switch to bard, because I was like I would rather just keep shooting people with a bow than have a harp.
0: I mean, that's <laughs> both... You mostly just shoot people with the bow as a bard, right? Like... Well, quite... at that
2: time, the Bard was literally a support class. I don't think it was, like... I think it became more DPS over time. I might be wrong. But my I think perception was, always... was that it was actually, like, a healer. Almost.
0: Uh, that it, 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 I think your perception is wrong. My, my, I'm pretty sure it just, like, was always kind of, like, buffs along with shooting arrows. I think it's just kind of, like, a ranged DPS works weird in uh in 14. In I, I remember
2: part. reading that Bard doesn't queue DPS for, like, the duty finder, so that's why I was, like, confused.
0: Oh, I don't know. The, this but is... this was
2: five years ago, so my memory is yeah. so
0: i don't know yeah um but uh given that like uh you know given that you're the guest xd what have you been playing in the past week or anything and everything you've been playing since i have been no
2: lifing total war so i played like a full campaign with the one of the they, they released this like bandit lord deal a uh, free lc lord in three kingdoms and oh I yeah yeah, yeah. i read about them. that it was pretty fun because you could basically hire yourself out as a mercenary to like have no like You can basically just be like, yo, my neighbor dude, you're fighting this guy who I don't even border, but if you pay me like ten K gold, I will fight him for you. Oh my god, and then like when I take a city, I can choose to give it to my liege, like my nominal like person who hired me, or I can just take it for myself. (laughs) That's so nice. I, yeah, and that, like you can have people super like you <laughs> with these mercenary contracts. It's insane.
1: That sounds super fun, and I feel like I would love to play that. Like, I, like, people have talked about a Dogs of War faction for a long time in Warhammer um, Two, and uh, they're
2: saying that it might be a DLC, right, for Warhammer Three.
1: I imagine it will probably be a DLC for Warhammer Three, just because, like, Tilia, Estalia, right? Like, these places are pretty core place- pieces of the map, and they're just going to have to address it at some point. Um, we're pretty what sure that think, we're going to uh, get. Three is going to
2: launch it with though, then.
1: I think it's gonna be Chaos Dwarves, uh Daemons of Chaos, uh the Kislev and Ogres. Oof, and that, yeah. that it'll be like they'll probably do like one or two factions and it'll be like, you know, da or, I'm sorry, not Daemons. Um it'll be um uh Dogs of War, you know, and then like maybe some of the other like there are some crazy... I think they might op- do like factions. demon
2: legendary lords, kinda of like what they did for the Skaven. Because yeah. like people were originally saying that Skaven should not be one race but it should be like split along the clans but that's not what they did for two so i imagine that's what they're gonna do yeah see i hope that they
1: keep it as demons for chaos but they might not who knows um but the thing about the uh, but i love the idea of a dogs of war faction that is like that that basically maintains pretty standard diplomacy with like all of their neighbors but like you are doing these like long-range sorties being hired out as a mercenary, you know, like, as a mercenary company. So, like, Othwan is like... That hey, might be listen. actually a fun way to
2: do a horde, like, mechanic. Yeah, it that's also true, because, like, now. it would
1: be super fun, I feel like, if I'm... If, like, One shows up and they're like, Hey, bro, like, come get on Nagarond with me. We really hate those, you know, Nagarathi, druky pieces of shit <laughs> sure. or whatever. And, like, you fly <laughs> across to... um and you fly across to Nagarond with your army, and you just kind of, like, go as deep as you possibly can yeah. before you get destroyed. Um, and then, like, your contract is complete. Like, I think that'd be a really cool gameplay hook.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah it might, might even work for, like, that, that retinue mechanic we were talking about earlier. Oh, right? yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You uh, that pick yeah, that'd it up. be cool. up. Um, and
2: it'd be cool because the dogs of war would be – they would have, like, a couple units from each, like, faction almost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like, that was one of
1: the things about the Dogs of War that was interesting. Like, so the Dogs of War are not traditionally a faction in Warhammer itself. They are units that any any race can pick up, right? So if I'm playing Wood Elves, I can hire a Dogs of War faction and have this, you know, so it's kind of like neutral cards in Hearthstone, where it's like my class identity is th- these cards, but if I, like, need a silence, I can pick up Iron Beak Owl. Right. And put it in my deck uh, just to like help me out, even though silence is like a demon hunter. It's like a priest thing. And I think that that's kind of neat. Right. Like if I'm playing a a faction that doesn't have great artillery, I might be able to be like, ah, well, let me like pick up a, you know, a dwarven artillery unit. And it's going to be expensive because it's a mercenary or whatever. But I really want to fill up this hole in my army sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I, we're back on Warhammer. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. So that but that beta mechanic sounds really awesome in, in Three Kingdoms. So that so you have been no lifing three kingdoms. I thought you were gonna say, so Jor. I not So
2: what happened was like the first campaign I played during the lockdown was a Three Kingdoms campaign. Okay. Then I tried to play a Yellow Turban campaign, but I was just like not feeling it. So then I just like no lifed uh, Warhammer 2. I played like a full campaign of Cetra. I played a full campaign of Noc Noctilus. That his name the oh yeah Jackson, Count Noctilus, yeah and then i started a, a, a norskin one and i just wasn't feeling it because i was getting stomped <laughs> yeah see part of my
1: thing th- and i recommend this for anybody playing warhammer 2 um i cycle i have four active campaigns at any moment and every time i load up the game i do my least recent one right so you know it'll be like vampire counts and i'll typically do two evil two like good factions so it'd be like empire high elves vampire counts and green skins or whatever and i'll just cycle between them so like every couple of days i am touching on that empire game or whatever uh, mm-hmm. but i don't get that same sort of fatigue i used to get really fatigued when i was playing warhammer 2 by um like playing the game and and using the same units and the same tactics and the same strategies over and over again that like splitting it up a little so that i was actually doing something different every time i loaded up the game made it like much more fun. I
2: think the other thing was that that I was stubborn and picked Norska because I wanted to roleplay a Viking, but like Norska just is flat out weak, like compared to the other factions, like because I don't know that they've been. Did they get any updates? Like, they've been since... getting they've been getting small like
1: buffs and tweaks and stuff like that, but I don't think they've gotten a real update. I, I think the tough thing for Norska is that the empire is much stronger now you used to just yeah. be able to hard roll the empire um well actually so funnily enough the empire is stronger and paradoxically weaker because they confederate much slower this is something that had destroyed a lot of my norska campaigns a long time ago was the as i am steamrolling the empire they would confederate away um and all of a sudden I was dealing with like a very powerful Carl Franz and I just didn't have the firepower to take him down. But when I did my most recent Warriors of Chaos playthrough, the Empire themselves were actually pretty tough because they had these new units and stuff like that. Um, and they were like, there's all these like cool new Empire mechanics that they're that they're making use of. But I was fighting them more individually because it's harder for the Empire to confederate in the current state of the game because of the, like the, the Elector Counts mechanic. So I was able to sort of like piecemeal out and kind of take like, okay, first Nordland then we're going to do Ostland, then we're going to do, you know, Soland, kind of thing. Uh, more one at a time than all at once.
2: So I guess my tactical mistake was probably, like, I got all of Norska too quickly, like, by, like, the 12th turn. Like, I'd been attacked by everybody, I beat their lords, and then oh, I guess and then you I I maybe shouldn't have confederated, but I was like, I didn't really understand the downfall of doing that, because then I was basically spread too thin. So I was basically trying to build up, like, Norska itself, and I didn't even get to make it to the Empire before, like, Safari and uh like uh trace and all those like random elven kingdoms all declared war on me even yep. though i'm stronger than them and, and it's very I'm, tough like for, beating yeah. them back and then nagarad declares war on me and nagarad is like strength rank 2 and i'm like strength rank 10 or something and you have I'm no slid. and you
1: have no garrisons <laughs> that's the other tough thing yeah. about north or no walls
2: you have garrisons but your garrisons are terrible
1: yeah yeah no walls i mean like walls mean that i can like pretty reliably with my 11 person garrisons beat a full stack right You know, just like with towers, with micro, and all these other sorts of things, I can like, you know, outside of some factions who really suck, um, uh, who have like very bad individual, like Norska,
2: um, (laughs) like their best unit in the garrison is like freaking trolls that break in like two seconds.
1: Yeah, the trolls are good. I also like Norsekin Berserkers. I carry Norsekin Berserkers in a lot of my Norsekin armies. I actually the, a lot. So I I think of like defensive infantry and offensive infantry differently. Um, and the Berserkers are there to basically just die, but they crack the enemy infantry a lot of the time just by having very high melee attack and weapon strength.
2: So they're just yeah, like tell that to the elves who shoot me to death before I can get yeah,
1: to you know that kind <laughs> of thing
2: sucks. I don't know what to tell you about that, but yeah. But no, so then I was, like, feeling the MMO itch, actually, because, like, we had talked about all getting into PSO2, and then that kind of fell through because Microsoft, like, bungled the launch. Like
0: the, Also, the, also the controls do not play well for left-handers, which yeah, is a thing like, that's... Like, can't uh, re- yeah, like, Mango
2: can't rebind the things on his keyboard that's because ridiculous. of the anti-cheat or something, and then Nick couldn't even get the game to run for more than, like, an hour before it crashed. So I basically have no one to play PSO2 with, so that's why I started, like, just playing various Warhammer titles. And then... Like, last, the week, well, uh, yeah, I guess last weekend? No, the weekend before last weekend, I was like, man, I really got the MMO itch because we were supposed to, like, try uh, New World, and then I ended New up World downloading, I ended up downloading uh, Killed Wars 2 because I was just, like, so bored, and I got to, I got, like, I, like, got my character to, like, level 20, and then Nick was like, come play Final Fantasy, so then I downloaded Final Fantasy, and now I'm kind of, like, chill leveling in, fa- in Final Fantasy. Hmm.
0: Final Fantasy is is fun. Um, it is
2: fun, but what, I
1: feel when, like when there's nothing for us have, to do until we max. Yeah, when you say you have the MMO itch, what itch is that?
2: Well, I just had this thing where like I thought we would all get together and game. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, I've been playing to... a lot of like individual games. Like, yeah, because like
1: what? Because like this is something that's been really interesting. Like, I fell off of WoW. A while ago, uh, and I was playing, you know, I was playing Hearthstone, I was playing Warhammer, I was playing stuff that I was just kind of like, you know, you you call it raid logging. I log on, I raid, I log off, uh, sort of thing. But now I'm back into it really hard because me and my friends have gotten into Mythic Plus, and we're like pushing keys in Mythic Plus, and like, you know, Really like like going hard for for that kind of content again. So I so I mean like is there is it a specific kind of content that like? So what um, happened
2: was in February I want to say it was like February or March we all fell off of Destiny Two which was kind of our main group game. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Where we were basically doing what you're talking about. We just did the things to get the super high level gear and we didn't really play any of the rest of the game. And then eventually we just stopped playing Destiny Two because the new expansion was. Does Destiny Two of have length? something that is like this
1: is one of the things that makes they have raids. It, it's
2: very similar to WoW where like you can do do one raid
1: a week per character. Right, 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 right. But- but, so the thing that has really pulled me back, like, even though we do our raid a week or whatever, right? The thing that got me with WoW is how repeatable mythics are. Like, to be honest, I'm probably going to end up doing mythics after this. Like, I'm going to log on and I'm going to, like, message <laughs> or I'm going to be like, yo, bro, let's, like, do some fucking mythics. Right? Because you can just... Gr- I, I-, I want to say grind, but you know is it a grind like it's just fun it a and stuff. like yeah and you know, I, I so is there something you know, like the thing that?
0: About Destiny is, is that the, the best thing like the best thing to push is kind of like is the pvp stuff okay and you know and sometimes and like there's like not a, not a really good so, so this is i think one of the big weaknesses of destiny is like it is very 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 fun to do the kind of like diff like the either the the dungeons or like the raids once and then it becomes kind of very 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 quickly um like like that time but like that
2: fat loot dude i still need loot from that freaking oh god, got from like the i can't remember what the the newest one was called but like i don't have like half of the new items even and i've been like doing them weekly so, so, so i
0: i find i find wait wait in in destiny
2: yeah, like, how many times did you do the raid? I know we did the dungeon a bunch together, but I did the, the raid, raid like two or three times. Maybe. I did the
0: raid once or twice, but frankly, I find the loot to be underwhelming in Destiny. Dude,
2: the hand um, cannon, though. That energy hand cannon was so sexy. I never uh, got
0: it. You See, the, the thing is, is I just, like, I didn't, like I, I, like, I didn't find, like, any of those things to be super compelling because the guns aren't different enough from each other, right? Like, I was like, you know, I think, like, uh, I think, Borderlands Three has its some problems beyond, like, it just doesn't feel as good to play. Um, I didn't really connect with any of the characters, but at least it has like a variety of equipment, which is part of why, like, with something like Diablo, I when I, when that itch gets me and I get into it, I do really like it. Oh, um, I
1: see what you're saying. Yeah, I I totally get this because like it's it's one of those things where if the loot isn't animating you and i and I, like it just feels like what am i doing this for do you know what i mean where yeah. it's like yeah wh- why why bother kind of thing
2: that's why i think we fell off mainly like mango and monic were not interested in the loot as much as me and they also prefer the pvp more to the pve whereas i was basically playing destiny 2 for the pve because uh-huh. like the pvp is fun but it's it's let's be honest it's no counter-striker no valorant and like there's a crap ton of hackers so
0: yeah the hackers is a bigger thing I, I i mean i don't particularly like the, the csgo or valorant style of gameplay that's fair. but like um and fill that that is for me but like playing, if we wanted to play a War pvp shooter
2: player. i would rather play like apex legends or warzone right
0: you yeah I mean? I mean but you know uh monica and i have been playing some warzone um we like season five dropped and we played a little bit of that um did you get but... the
2: the the like mech arm bug or whatever it's called <laughs>
0: Uh, oh oh where like the with well, like, the guns the gun out. it
2: covers up like the entire center of your yep, screen. I have gotten like, that a couple site. of times. It <laughs> killed me it
0: killed me in in the uh, in the Gulag ones. Oh, wow. Uh yeah. Yeah. Have they fixed um, that yet? I'm not sure. Okay. I haven't played since then. Um okay. <laughs> cuz I've been playing uh I've been playing Final, Final Fantasy 14. We need to get yeah. Mike
2: to play Final Fantasy, dude.
0: Oof. And then uh, also, like, you know, we've been playing uh, or I've been playing a bunch of different TTRPGs, but we played uh, the first round of Nick's uh, Star Wars game uh, over the weekend. That is uh, true. X is it different there. from
1: the other Star Wars game you had? It is the exact game? same Star Wars game, but we rotate around players and GMs and stuff like that. Because uh, Buddy okay. is very
0: busy this month with things. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was supposed to run a game and then uh, no one showed up. And I was very sad. Uh, no, it was just like there was scheduling conflicts. Um, and so Nick is running a three-session ses- uh, published adventure, um, which I think is interesting because, like, because Nick is running out of the book, I feel like he's, like, kind of touching on aspects that kind of have been a little bit pushed to the side when you and I run, buddy, because yeah. he's got, you know, he's got, like, things that tell him to add, you know, I think the setbacks he's just been good about on his own. But, like, you know, you need to make it this particular skill check. And, you know like when you're designing it for the skill checks which is what i assume that the, the the books do right it's like oh we need to have a mix of skill checks in there i think it's easier or like it's when, when you're designing for that they come up more whereas like when we're running it we just kind of like put the skill checks to the scenario and you know some come up a lot more than others just kind of naturally if that makes sense um, did you have any other thoughts on next on Sessions besides, uh, besides that? You know, uh, I just – I
1: had a lot of fun. Um, I thought that it was pretty – you know, all of these sessions take forever to get going. I do not know – why I, I don't have no. an answer for it but it's like we always are just like uh, mm, uh what do you want to do i don't know what do you think Um uh, mm, and then eventually like we kind of like stumble on a lead and then from there we're golden you know what i yeah. mean um so <laughs> I, I i find that interaction to be pretty interesting and pretty like funny like i, I want to like diagnose kind of like why that's taking place uh because it's true kind of for everyone right um, yeah uh but you know i don't know i don't have any more complete or dynamic thoughts about it than that
0: yeah, we, we maybe we'll have more insights moving forward. Um, but we're, we're at about our time. Uh, did did uh, X, did you want to talk about anything else before we got out of here? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, well, if you'd like to talk, tell us what you think of any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at podcastsubdubblesplaygames.com or uh, or subdubblesplaygames at gmail.com. Uh, follow us everywhere, rate and review us on iTunes, give us money on Patreon if you really feel like it um uh x do you have anything you want to promote or or any way you want listeners to reach nope. you all right uh buddy do you have anything you want to promote before get uh out of here?
1: unfortunately this week i guess i don't have anything that i'm really looking to uh to promote but it gets good it was last week we don't have any announcements uh that i can tease uh except for spinch comes out in three weeks so that's big news
0: the, the VOD for your for uh, Buddy Gets Good, I don't think it was dropped yet. which Yeah, is so needed, I but. just
1: got that today. I got that this morning for Buddy Gets Good Gun Viral Episode 3. And then I recorded Buddy Gets Good Gun Viral Episode 4 last Friday. So those two will more or less be coming back-to-back. Back. Uh, I'll probably put up the VOD today, and then on
0: some Yay. later day
1: this week when Brian turns around the Episode 4 VOD, uh, that'll go up too. So it's two it's two for one. <laughs>
0: Yay! Excellent. Yeah. I'm excited. I do enjoy watching them. And not not to imply that like you know you're behind or anything. Just like you know, I, I missed. No, it. I, missed I, it. I was I a little sad. Well,
1: I mean, you know, uh, this is no fault on Brian. Uh, we are we are doing very cool things that I can't talk about. But um, he's so he's working on that side of thing. Obviously, Buddy gets good. The vods are neat, and and I love that you know people are enjoying them. But it is a lower priority thing than Brian's typical work as our you know kind of uh on on site on call video editor for god viral so
0: but buddy i want the things that i like to be <laughs> <laughs> gotta listen uh,
2: to the fan base yeah yeah of me <laughs> <laughs> are you in the
1: god viral discord have you like hung out i am i
0: i i'm in there but i don't i don't okay. really talk i am like in so many discords i just don't we're doing a new thing. All. I'm doing a
1: new thing uh, called the Workshop. Pretty, starting pretty soon. We're, like, figuring out the permissions of it. But uh, we saw – or I found another game that did this where basically – I actually didn't like the way that they did this. But um, they would – I won't say the game so I don't subtweet anybody here. They had, they had a set of channels which was, like, Workshop Topic, Workshop Discussion, right? And every day they would post something in Workshop Topic that was just, like – what is the thing that you want to talk about today, right? They would ping everybody with that, like, workshop thing. And it was like a game, and, you know, sometimes for them, it was very specific to the game. Like, do you think that we should buff the, you know, like the attack damage on this character by plus two? You know what I mean? Like, super nitty gritty. I was like, why? Nobody can, like, conceptualize that. Um, But I do think that people really want to like talk about kind of like game design and their thoughts on the game and stuff like that. And so we're going to be adopting a workshop thing where, you know, every day I'm going to post up a workshop question. It's going to be something kind of long that like, what do you think is the best mutation when you're looking for a mutation to kind of um, to like pay off in the late game? What do you think is powerful? Any like these sorts of questions just to get a sense for how people kind of look at and approach the game. Um we think is is pretty valuable. So that's cool. That's something you can look forward to, I guess. And anybody else in the gone viral discord, discord.gg slash
0: Excellent. Well I did find uh, a way to plug something,
1: you guys. <laughs> Listen, after two awesome. years of not plugging anything at the end of this podcast, I'm gonna take my, you know, good time <laughs>
0: with all I of the plugs. It's, been, it's been longer than two years, I think. We're coming up on like five. I want to say Yeah, that's say.
1: true. Yeah, I really haven't been plugging things until this year. I guess a little bit yeah. last year, but
0: uh, I'm, actually, that's a good point, though. We are about a month and a half out from the five-year anniversary. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, so uh, we'll do something for that. Maybe, maybe we'll finally do our, our, our Marvel Power Rankings. Oh, my God. Um, for the movie,
1: that's actually the a campers. good idea. Yeah,
0: yeah. for the movie. So, we promised so,
1: Zhao. Zhao asked us for our Marvel Power Rankings in our 200th episode, and we were like, ah, we'll do that sometime in 2020, and I've yet to do it.
0: And I will point out the the 200th episode was approximately coincident with the 4 year anniversary so you know. Yeah. Uh it's only been a year before we can be good on that promise. We probably be done by the end of the year so you know. Uh we didn't say what year though which is what I will talk about. <laughs> <on. laughs> All right. Well, um if that's it, um I'm going to say until next time dear listeners.
1: Until next time loyal listeners. Peace.